Today on Background Check, we go round two with Representative Carl Sherman, Sr. He's also a senior pastor of a church. So we talk faith, politics. I ask him some, uh, I think, some tough questions about some bills that were passed and some bills that weren't passed and where some money has gone that was supposed to go to air conditioning in prisons. This is a great episode. We dive deep. You don't want to miss it. Come on, let's do another background check on Representative Carl Sherman. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh- it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead. Check my background. My name is J. Dan Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down. No. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. I'm your host, Jaden Gum, and it's an honor to be here once again. Every week I just get, uh, man, I just love being here. And thank you guys for listening. You guys have made this podcast very popular. And thank you to all who listen on the outside, but thank you to you who listen on the inside. So if you've listened before, you've heard Representative Carl Sherman. He came on our show uh, almost a year and a half ago, July 2020. And I just, I'm so thankful that he did. But today we go round two with him. And so we talk about faith because he's a senior pastor. We talk about politics because he's a politician. Uh, I've lived in DeSoto for a long time. He was the mayor of DeSoto at one point. So I got to see up close and personal, some of the good things he's done. You know, we don't see eye to eye on everything politically. Um, so that's what makes our friendship even more because we don't, you know, we don't focus on what divides us. We focus on what unites us. And one of those things is our faith in Jesus Christ and in our, in our belief that criminal justice reform needs to happen. And so those two reasons um, alone or why we're really good friends and we believe in each other and the work that each other does. So today I don't have a whole lot of introduction other than just shouting out to all you guys and gals in prison that listen to us. Um, you know, if, if there's ever an interruption in the feed like there was last time, you know, uh, you should have a piece of paper to fill out and let, let secure us and let the people know that monitor our podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening and writing to let us know. Again, write us, let us know if a, a specific episode has impacted your life. And, uh, and, and we'll give you a shout out, all right? And um, so forgive me, felons, real quick. Uh, I didn't have any announcements, but for real quick, we are in the process of planning out or looking for a building. And we've got curriculum planned out. We've got teachers lined up. We've got... Things all, you know, we're getting everything ready so that when we do get a building, we're going to be ready. So, again, if you have a building or know somebody has a building, let us know. All right, we are back into this interview, man. It was a great interview. It really was. I love hanging out with him, talking politics, 
because a lot of our you know criminal justice reform uh, ideas are on the same page. So he is Representative District 109. He'll, he's going to give a shout-out to all the cities he serves. But I'm thankful and honored to, to have him back on the show. So here's his interview. Representative Carl Sherman, welcome for the second time yeah. to Background Check Podcast. We, a lot's happened since uh, a year and almost a half ago. I think July of 2020 is when you came on the show last. A lot has happened, so we need to dig into your background again and uh, see what we can expose and see what's been happening. You know, um, background check, it, it's a, it has such a negative connotation. People only do backgrounds, background checks, when they're trying to expose some negativity in your past. And But that's not why we do it. We do it because we want to bring to light the, the positive a- aspects and even highlight some of the elements that that uh, maybe, you know, some of the guys that did, did actually commit crimes um, had gifts and talents that they used in the wrong way, but now they're using those same gifts and talents and skills in, in the right way, you know? And so Jesus did background checks and didn't turn those 12 away. That's so, right. uh, you know, and, and, and the, some of those wouldn't have passed background checks today. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's funny you say that, you know, it makes me think about how this whole process being on your podcast uh, can be in many ways revelatory of who you are, right? Jesus says, who do men say that I am? Uh, So Jesus is inviting people to do a background check on himself. uh, And it doesn't have to be a pejorative term. No, Uh, it can simply be, as you said, you know, it's uh, revealing of who you are. And so many times we really don't have an accurate uh, self-efficacy of our of ourselves. Our self-awareness can be really off. And so I'm grateful for the opportunity to be one of, I think you said, two Two, uh, guests. Two people have come back on the show twice, and that was Richard Miles and now you. I'm in good company. Yeah. So thank you again for for being here. And and, uh, some things have happened. Number one, I think you, we're going to get this out of the way real quick. You're going to start your own podcast soon. Is that correct? Yes. Do we have a launch date or month uh, for that? We do. Uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, Common Sense Politics uh, will launch in January, and uh, we're really going to just break down politics and talk about some of the uh, partisan issues that divide us as a nation. I'm sick and tired of uh, politics that uh, is divisive and uh, seeks to only demonize the other folks on the other aisle. And the only folks that benefit from that primarily, in my opinion, are those who are pitching the narrative uh, in TV world, in yeah. media world. Yeah. And then you get advertisement, you know, advertisers who are on there because you've got a following. And the only way you can have a following is that there is a bad guy and good guy, right? right? Yep. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, I think uh, whether it's a two-party system or multi-party system, uh, we should all wear the same jersey. I agree. And, and to me, Democrats are on the offense and Republicans are on the defense, but we're on the same team. Yeah, you're we right. want to be more progressive. They want to slow things down. So how can we mitigate the difference uh, without demonizing the other side and respecting the other views. Yeah, and almost like maybe maybe one side speeds up a little bit, the other side slows down a little bit, and then you move forward together at that same pace. 
Absolutely. You know, instead of just because when you when you try to go too fast without sacrificing and you try to go too slow without sacrificing, you're just pulling each other. You're, you're actually doing less. You're 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 being less productive, you know, and uh, and, and it's it's hard to watch, you know, because I mean, I mean, I, for the most part, you know, I'm conservative, but there's some times there's some things, especially criminal justice reform. Mm-hmm. Re- Representative Sherman, that I part ways with my right. conservative base. I just do. And um, because because that's one one way that I don't see them being progressive enough. And and I don't have a I don't have a problem. You know, somebody said one time, uh, well, you must you must lean a little left now. And I said, uh, what do you mean? Because, oh, well, you're not the way you're talking. You're sounding like left instead of right. And I said, uh, I lean towards the cross. Mm-hmm. What does the cross have to do with politics? I'm like, it's got everything to do with the politics because Jesus wasn't crucified on the right and he wasn't crucified on the left. He was crucified in the middle. Right. And so when you lean toward the cross, you're leaning toward the middle where both sides have to come and meet and whatever you want to call it, compromise or whatever. But, but anyway, I'm, uh, I just, I'm honored to be your friend because I love what you do, love what you represent. Uh, just to remind everybody, you are on the appropriations Corrections Appropriations Committee in Austin. Is that correct? That's correct. And uh, District 109. Uh, yes. Shout out to all the cities that you serve. Yeah, I'm I'm proud to represent the beautiful people of District 109. Uh, we are uh, the the only district in the state of Texas that's minority uh, majority uh, that yes. actually grew. Uh, and uh, those are the cities of Lancaster, where we are. My district office is. Uh, DeSoto, uh, Cedar Hill, uh, Ovilla, uh, parts of Glen Heights, uh, Ferris, parts of Ferris, Hutchins, Wilmer, uh, Slither of Sigaville, and Dallas, the city of Dallas. So, wow. And the new district, uh, we are, uh, we are uh, also adding in Grand Prairie okay. uh, into the district, and I'm excited about that. So good, so good. All right, and so let, tell us uh, real quick, you're also... A lot of people don't know it, but you're also a senior pastor. So give a quick shout out to uh, to your church. Yeah, I am uh, grateful for the support of uh, the members at the Church of Christ in Hutchins who uh, support uh, my efforts uh, as uh, encouraging words and prayers. Uh, and all, always uh, seems like uh, they're always thinking of their pastor, wanting to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. Uh, but we have always been uh, focused on the prison ministry. As we know, yeah. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3 tells us uh, that we are to consider ourselves, consider those in prison as though we were in prison, yeah. and be mindful of those who are oppressed as though we were oppressed. And there are so many other scriptures that Jesus reminds us of that. People forget that, that, that it's almost like, you know, he didn't command it. But man, pretty much when Jesus says you should do something, yeah. you should treat it like a command, commandment. And you know, and when He says when you've done it under the least of these, visit visit me in prison. You know, I mean, I'm like if not, if no other reason, when I'm trying to talk people into coming inside with me yeah. and going to prison, just to check that off the list. Just when you get to heaven, <laughs> just say, all right, our Lord, I visited you. I visited you. All right. Um, I, I'm I'm excited. I, I got to go back into prison. Uh, once this month, a couple times last month, I'm so glad they're letting volunteers back in. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the day where they're uh, they're letting a lot more people in, like the bigger ministries that get to go into the cells and uh, and share Jesus. So, so I'm looking for, looking forward to that. But man, let's get right into it, man. Okay. Uh, let's 
this session, man, how many sessions y'all going to have? Well, I mean, what are y'all on? Three, four? Yeah, we just ended the third session. Ended the third session. Uh, is there going to be a fourth? Uh, there you is. hope not? <laughs> there is going to be a fourth? Uh, well, I, I'm not going to say there is going to be. Uh, there is. Uh, there have been rumors that uh, the governor will call another session. Okay. Uh, there are some other uh some might say, uh, like the color of my tie, red meat uh, issues that uh, you know we need to we need to cover during a emergency session. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I know there's been there was over 400 criminal justice um, you know bills, and not very many of them got looked at, but some of them did. Some of them passed. I know one of them was my friend um, Deanna Laprete, the second look bill. Don't know if you heard about that one, but it was Democrat sponsored, but uh, it, this was the first year that it became bipartisan. And so we had some Republicans come on and sign on. But it talked about just having these youngsters that were certified as adults when they were 15, 16. And that because of the law of parties that you already know about, uh, they were sentenced to 60 years in prison and wasn't able to be paroled till, till 30 years. The second look bill is just asking them to take a look at, take a second look at them after 20 instead of 30, you know. And we've had some of those second lookers come through forgiven felons. One, another one was the Richard Miles Act. Right. I don't know if you've heard about that one, but he was very excited about that, uh, holding police accountable. And I know you were involved in several police reform bills. Um, so let's talk about ones that uh, you authored and that have successfully you know, been passed. And then maybe we can get into some of the ones that are still you know, having yeah. a hard time passing. You know, the Richard Miles uh, bill, uh, meant so much to me as well because when you look at uh, evidence uh, to prove someone's innocence uh, that is so critical yeah you know I, I remember uh, I hope I don't get into trouble with sharing this my uh, I have two granddaughters I have I have three granddaughters but two that are small and my my uh, daughter my oldest daughter she uh, has one of those uh, one of those baby cams or something. Okay, yeah. And uh, so she had it on. And now uh, something happened where the younger granddaughter, her younger daughter, uh, was accused of doing something okay. that really the older daughter did. And if it had not been for, for the, the camera. camera uh, she wouldn't have had the evidence. Wow. And, and so uh, to have that evidence uh, not be uh, given to uh, the defending party as well as uh, not having to be shared, uh, that really does more uh, to create uh, more distrust yeah. in our system that a person could get a fair trial. So I'm grateful for uh, that bill passing into law. And then uh, Bo's Law. Yeah. Uh, Bo's Law was a very spiritual walk for myself and my entire staff. I uh, worked hard on uh, getting bipartisan support uh, for this legislation. Uh, I want to thank uh, my Republican colleagues uh, who joined Arthur with me, as well as uh, the colleagues who voted in support of it, because if it had not been for Republican support, the bill wouldn't have passed into law. It wouldn't have been uh, on the governor's desk. The Senate voted unanimously, including the Speaker of the House. I mean, I'm sorry, the uh, Lieutenant Governor, 
uh, in the Senate signed on to the bill. And so, uh, you know, it uh, went to the governor's desk and the governor signed off and yeah. I was grateful. That's HB 929. The backstory is this bill didn't have much of a chance, uh, but by uh, the goodness of God, uh, it was, you know, ushered in yeah. and uh, hearts were changed. Uh, we got some law enforcement support uh, for this legislation, which simply says that an officer must activate their body cam upon uh, investigation and cannot turn their body cam off uh, during an investigation. So uh, it's critically important to uh, really establishing systemic accountability and right. policing. Right. And when I think about how even the number came about, uh, when I asked Botham Jean's mother, Allison Jean, uh, what number she wanted, and she said his birthday was September 29th. He was killed on September 6th, I believe, but his birthday was September 29th, and that would mean a lot to me if the number could be 929. Wow. And we did. Well, you know, at first, you know, talking to the uh, former speaker, because Speaker Bonin was in office at the time, he didn't have the authority nor the power to give us the number. We then asked the presumptive speaker. He also did not have the power nor the authority. But as soon as he was sworn in, Speaker Phelan uh, authorized that we could have 929, HB 929. It was the first day of trial. I mean, this just shows you how God transcends. Wow. The first day of the George Floyd trial, when we had all thought as a nation that it had been eight minutes and 46 seconds, I believe, that the officer had his knee on George Floyd's neck in broad daylight killing him, we discovered the first day it was nine minutes and 29 seconds. Mm. So, you know, I just know the work that we are doing while scripture reminds us that our fight is not against flesh and blood. Uh, the work we're doing is spiritual and we yeah. have an opportunity to change some things. I'm sickened by, the, by our first session, you know, and, and I think it's symbolic that there were 666 bills signed into law after the end of the regular session. Mm. Uh, so, wow. you know, I, I think we've got some work to do uh, to ensure that God is not just popular to talk about, uh, but he's popular to follow and have our policies so be congruent with his priorities for us. Uh, I could go on and on. Jacob, you said a lot uh, that I would love to talk on, but... Uh, let so let, let's stick break. let's stick with uh, with body cams uh, because body cams in prisons uh, are important as well. So let's talk about that. Is there you said there was a writer or something that you helped get? Talk about that for a minute. For yeah. a minute. Yeah, it's important. You know, as being a former mayor and the first city that and see, I didn't even know that I, you did a video for us uh, at the conference. But when you said that, I, I, I was I living in Desoto when you were the right. mayor. But and I know that you did that, but I didn't realize we were the first in the nation Absolutely. to do that. So thank you for leading the way on that. Well, I am grateful for the team that we had uh, that understood the importance of getting ahead. 2011, 2012 fiscal year, way before Michael Brown, 2014 yeah. in Ferguson, Missouri, that shined a light on this uh, issue. Uh, body cams uh, served uh, so many different. 
uh, roles, I think, in ensuring that the police profession uh, maintained its integrity. But when you look at what it did for behavior, for both the officers and those that they come in contact with, it served as a behavior modification yeah. tool. You know, it's sort of like smile, you're yeah. on camera, when you right? Know, when you know somebody's looking, you're going to act right. different. <laughs> That's right. So when that officer pulls you over, your behavior comports more with civility, right, that you're going to be cooperative. So what we need in seeing how body cams were a game changer for policing, but also a game changer in our ju- juvenile prison system as well. If you talk to the inspector uh, general there with uh, the uh, juvenile system, you'll find the same, uh, that he attests that you know body cams were a game changer. We need them for uh, our TDCJ as well. Drugs don't come in through uh, the prisoners. And, uh, and I'm not... That's, a lot of people don't know that. A lot well, of people think that they, they all come in through the visitors to the inmates. Uh, but there's a there's a huge problem, you know, coming in through through staff and other places, other ways. And this is about seeing both sides of the story, right? And so, yes, I put in a rider initially. I serve on subcommittee uh, of appropriations one, four, and five, which is over law enforcement, uh, and uh, put in a rider for twenty five million. Uh, we had to uh, negotiate that down to three million, then one point five million. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, uh, we don't have the rider for those body cams for all 20,000 correctional officers, but we do have resources uh, in which I join Arthur on a bill, uh, I believe it's HB 1938, uh, with Representative J.C. Jaton uh, to have the resources for law enforcement, and it's a matter of us talking with the governor's office to see if some of those funds, $10 million, could be allocated uh, for correctional officers. I think it's anywhere from 5 to $10 million uh, for correctional officers. We need to start somewhere to ensure that we maintain the integrity of TDCJ uh, and uh, the many employees that are doing the right thing every day. All right, so integrity of TDCJ. Now, you're talking to somebody who's been locked up in TDCJ. So I have inside information. Um, I have biased information. Uh, me and Richard Miles, uh, we, we talk a lot about, you know, I like talking to him because he was, he was doing his time wrongfully convicted. I was very rightfully convicted. I probably was convicted way too late. I should have been convicted after my second or third DWI instead of my fourth and fifth. But to me, I... I went through prison and I was like, golly, you know, it's hot in here, but man, do I deserve this? I kind of was an idiot out there. You know, if I didn't want to be in this hot heat, then I shouldn't drink and drive. And so that was my perspective, you know? And so to hear Richard talk about the same, the same heat from a wrongful conviction perspective, you know, and he, he says, man, it doesn't matter whether someone's guilty or not guilty. They don't deserve this. You know, where, I, where I'm guilty, so I kind of almost feel like I deserve to the, the, the poor conditions inside prison. But to hear him talk about it is like no one deserves to, be, to live and, and be in that, those hot cages. You know, especially after we've learned some, uh, some other things where other units are, are... Well, let's just kind of segue into air conditioning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because you said in the first podcast, 
I asked you about it. And you said, unfortunately, the only time we make any headway with the air conditioning is when we take them to court, is when we go to court. That's and that's right. unfortunate. But um, I have some friends. Uh, they were on our podcast, Texas Prison Air Conditioning Advocates. They tried to get a bill, several bills going through. Um, and there was one that there was one that they said that if the federal government supplies the money, then TDCJ will put air conditioning in these units. So talk about what that means, what that meant when, when they say that, and how do we get the money from the federal government? Because, gosh, I feel like we've had it. I feel like we've had it before. I feel like we had it when Governor Abbott gave $250 million from TDCJ that we could have used for air conditioning to build the wall. Um, so I know I've just said four or five different things, but start where you want to start and just lead us down the road. You know, you mentioned that Richard Miles and, and you had different perspectives and certainly uh, different uh, uh, different things brought you into the prison system, right? You, you had yourself, you mentioned that you should have perhaps been incarcerated uh, earlier, uh, that you were guilty. Uh, and uh, I think you used the term uh, rightfully. Rightfully convicted rightfully instead of convicted. wrongfully convicted. Right. Yeah. I never heard that term. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and then conversely, uh, Richard was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit, and he served many years in those conditions. Uh, you know, we used to wear these rubber bands that said, what would Jesus do? You started off earlier when we were talking offline, really, about uh, Jesus saying, you visited me, and, and you know that's in Matthew 25, right? Verse 35 yeah. through 41, where Jesus says basically to us, he gives us insight what he's going to say when he comes back. To me, that, that represents his priorities. Yeah. Those six things that he says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was uh, sick, you visited me, and I'm getting him out of order. But when I was naked, you clothed yeah. me. Uh, when I was uh, in prison, you visited me. Gosh. Jesus doesn't punish anyone right now. We get grace. That unmerited favor. So, so I'm not getting, and you're not getting what you deserve, and thank God for that. Amen. For, for that grace that he gives us. But he doesn't give us that grace just to be wasting it on us. Right. He says in Romans 2 and 4 that he gives us grace so that we might come to repentance, that we might change. It's hard for a person to change into something better when you treat him less than an animal. Right. Because right now in our system, in this great state, for our animal shelters, you have to have air conditioning. It's a requirement. Yeah. So we care more about the animals than we do people. And before you say, before you throw the first stone and say they are animals, they deserve this, that's not, that doesn't comport right. with the Father, with the Jesus, the Savior. You say you follow. So who are you following? If he says vengeance is mine and he's holding off his vengeance until the day of judgment, then what are we doing? How yeah. did we get here? And how in the world did we get to the point where we have selective compassion or maybe compelled compassion where we will air condition temporarily two prison units that we have undocumented, 
immigrants in right now. We have temporary air conditioning in there that we paid for. Yep. And now we're going to remove that once we put Texans back into the prisons. What are we saying to Texans? What are we saying to the correctional, correctional officers, officers the staff there, who yeah. work there? You know, this, this, uh, this hypocrisy of our democracy has to stop. You know, it matters. It matters how we treat people guilty or not. And, and so I, I just believe uh, that we're all going to stand before uh, the judgment seat, and we've got to give an account. Somebody said to me after I had a rider for $600 million uh, this before the end of this session for ACs in our prisons. Money from the federal government, not our money yeah. as a state, but it is because we give money to the federal government. Right. Oh, our citizens do, not the state, but our citizens, the 30 million Texans, contribute federal funds, mm -hmm. and we're just wanting those back. Yeah. And we could have used it to actually install air conditioning in the system, what we already have for animal shelters. And last, we do this for our stuff, Jay Gum. Yeah. I mean, we have climate control storage places that keep their stuff 55 degrees to 85 degrees. Stuff, things. We put more value not only on animals, but we put more value on things Inanimate than Inanimate objects. People. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's a form of idol worshiping. Yeah. And none of those things and have been made in God's and image. And it's totally the opposite of what the name of your podcast is going to be. <laughs> it, it's lack of common sense politics. That's is right. What that is, uh, because it, you know you're you're right. I mean, I I was fortunate on my fifth unit that I was on, um, that I did most of my time on to be at a um, back then Geo the Geo Group ran it. It was a private facility, and um, and they had air conditioners. They have. All the privately run, say what you want to say about the for-profit prisons. But what people don't understand is the state prisons are actually for-profit as well. They're just, they, they do it in a different way than the actual private entity prisons. But the state prisons are definitely in it for the money as well. I try to tell people that, that, it, that the private prisons aren't the only ones making a profit off all these third-party vendors and every, every, everything else. But... Say what you want to say about the, the the private prisons. I had air conditioning. I had better food, better portions of food. Um, I had I had better faci facilities in general, not just air conditioning, but better facilities. And and I think it's because when you're a private business, you are regulated by the the business world to make sure your business is run correctly. Now, they were governed by the TDCJ, but they weren't over, overseen by the TDCJ. The, the prisons, the, the, the state prisons, don't operate as a private business, even though they're operating for profit, and they don't have the business world to, to oversee them. And so they can run their business however they want without any oversight whatsoever. And that's why the conditions of the prison, that's why there's no air conditioning, that's why all that exists. But, you know, you said something earlier because one of the air conditioning bills, you know, they said that we're going to pass this, and the bill kind of said that if we get the money from the federal government, government that Texas is going to install air conditioning in these units. Okay, it sounds great, 
to somebody that doesn't know politics, somebody that doesn't know TDCJ, it sounds great. So how, I mean, give us hope. Is that, is that going to happen? Does the federal government really give us money? Do we use it for what we're supposed to use it for? Because, you know, like I said, there was, like I mentioned earlier, there was $250 million given from TDCJ to finish the wall. So what was that $250 million originally supposed to be used for? And why couldn't it have been used for air conditioning? So this money from the government that we're supposed to get, tell us how that works. And, 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 and if it was already that way to begin with, we just missed the boat and we should have, you know, we could have used it. When you look at that last piece of legislation that you referred to that passed during the regular session and all of the media coverage that we received uh, for that, that it looked like the state was now moving toward a more humane way yeah. of treating its citizens. And all of the uh, authors on that bill that signed off on the bill, uh, it was encouraging. I, I'll only I was say, encouraged yeah. until I got until I read all the way down to that one part that said something about the money coming from the, the if we basically if we get the money from the federal government. Yeah, that's the part I didn't understand. That's the part that maybe you should you can kind of give us some clarification on what that means. Well, as, as a member of appropriations, uh, that simply meant that, you know, this would have to be underwritten by the federal government not as a part of our $250 billion that we typically uh, manage. Uh, and so uh, that's, that's all that was. Okay, as long as we don't use state dollars, right. we use federal dollars, we can have it. And what are the chances of, of those federal dollars being present and being able to be used for air conditioning? Jay Gum, we've had four essentially rescue uh, funds from the federal government, four different packages. This last package, about $16 billion. None of them have, uh, has the state uh, used any of those proceeds for or in the interest of installing ACs. Mm. Uh, when I ask, and this is just anecdotal, but I asked one of the uh, representatives who signed on to the AC bill if he would be supportive of my rider for $600 million from the federal government. He said, let me think about it. Hmm. He stood there when the bill was signed proudly, but he had to think about it. Hmm. And he's yet to get back with me, but the rider... Uh, had to be pulled for uh, various reasons of uh, expected hope uh, that we can negotiate for a uh, lesser amount and phase in air conditioning. So uh, we continue to be hopeful uh, that we will be able to get this in HB1 next session, uh, a uh, measured amount so that we can install AC uh, at the various prisons that may need it the worst. Do criminal justice reform bills uh, in general, unless they have some celebrity status, high profile with them, you know, um, do they generally kind of get pushed to the back burner and fall dead on purpose and, and not get a whole lot of, you know, um, 
do they does that generally happen? Or I mean, I don't know if you can say or not say or or you know, because uh, it just seems like there's a lot a lot that is brought to the table, and only a little that's even considered, and and then only a very little that's even accepted. And is it just because our state in general, uh, whether it be, you know, I mean, it's typically been Republican for a while, you know, is it is it just because conservatives don't seem to care as much about criminal justice reform, or is there something that we, we, we're not seeing? Is there some other, is all the other things more important? I think that it's become uh, a political whipping boy uh, that uh, whether you're Republican or Democrat, uh, because President Bill Clinton, under him, uh, under uh, his administration, uh, some real draconian yeah. uh, bills were passed, uh, that we're still seeing the consequences yeah. of that bad legislation, uh, I think, in 92. So now uh, he, ev he eventually came back and said he was wrong on that. So right. does that mean by saying you're wrong on that, did he do it back then? intentionally because he thought it was going to work or did he do that to get elected yeah well <laughs> you know, we can't I, speculate yeah, what I, he, I, I know can, that i know yeah, that but i don't know it's hard but so. at the same time it's like i feel like conservatives we love to campaign uh, i'm tough on crime you know yeah. and that gets them elected right it does and so i'm just like you know uh if a democrat wants to get elected <laughs> He's got to say I'm tough on crime, and he'll get a. But you know, um, but anyway. Well, um, yeah, that, that's right. And, and and what we don't understand, we tend to oversimplify. Yeah. And, and so you know, going back to what you said in regards to Jesus saying, uh, you know, when you visited me in prison, most people don't know the prison environment, and so. Uh, they are given this picture of what, you know, tough on crime should look like yeah. to get someone to conform to being, uh, to, to being transformed from lawlessness to law-abiding. And they don't understand, they don't stay engaged enough to know that our recidivism rate is higher than any other nation of over 70 percent they don't understand we could do it better if we follow some other models right. even north dakota has learned uh, that if we treat people like humans if we even call them by their names yeah. as opposed to numbers convict or offender right the outcome is different they have a recidivism rate of 22 or 20 percent i believe my legislative director was telling me and so it's incredibly important that we understand what we are doing as opposed to just conflating yeah. things and then uh, simplifying things so that we can put it on a bumper sticker because nobody wants to read anything these days and it's just about making these quick decisions on you know let's be tough on crime education is definitely the key I've learned uh, just being in my uh, industry my line of work uh, helping people coming out of prison get back on their feet and people that don't know anything about being in prison um, it's a lack of education you know they don't know how hard it is to come out of prison, reenter society with the current parole system as prohibitive as it is. They don't understand the ankle monitors or 
almost almost as bad as being in prison because right. in prison you can go to church, you can go to the rec yard to work out and different things. But with an ankle monitor, you can't do these certain things. They've come a long way. They've come a long way. In fact, they just revamped the ankle monitor bills and let them do more social stuff, and it's great. Uh, so I, I, there's hope. There's hope. Um, but you, on the other hand, give us – I want to hear some hope from you. You know, um, there's a lot of things wrong with our system, and there's some things right. Um, what direction are we headed, you know, and uh, what can we do some – what can we do differently to keep going in that – you know, outside of just politics coming together, you know, what it, what can the average citizen do, you know, to get involved? Um, one of the things that me and Richard were talking about, tell me what you think about this. We think that a parole board that votes on the rehabilitation progress of somebody that's been in prison for 30 years that has no experience on the inside, has no experience working in a prison, has no experience of being any anywhere this guy's been, but they are voting on whether they think he is successfully rehabilitating himself enough to go back into society. And me and Richard's idea was, why don't why can't someone like me or him? Why can't they they have one person on a voting board, parole board? that has been inside the prison, that has been on parole, that has been, you know, where they can say, you know what, let's look at that file. Did you know that the average parole board looks at 300 files a day? I did not. And 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 th there's no way you can accurately look at 300 files a day and say, oh, yeah, he's ready. Oh, yeah, he's ready. Oh, yeah, he's ready. Yeah, he's ready. I mean, you got to do 30. How many is that in an eight-hour workday, you know? I mean, you don't have time for anything else. And so we're not accurately, I think, really assessing whether these guys are ready or not. And to me, that's like, that's like, what if we had a committee, you know, where the pro board's like, you know what, let's let, let's let you guys come in and you help us figure out whether these guys, because they're not getting it right. They're, they seem to be letting the wrong ones out because they're coming back in. Right. Which says they shouldn't have let those person out and the pro board and the parole system is broken too. Yeah, I, I think we uh, need to change our model. It is not working. Uh, and to have a system where, what's the number again that you're saying? Of how many files they look at every day? Right. Over 300. So to have that number uh, come before you, it's hard uh, for them not to just become another number. Yeah. And there should be some stipulations I'm working on. Uh, legislation right now from input uh, from uh, families of inmates uh, association they just celebrated 25 yeah, yeah. years TIFA TIFA yeah Texas uh, Inmate Families Association uh, had the opportunity to speak before uh, their 25th awesome. year conference and they have some great ideas as well you know like why not have uh, the board actually interview in person the individual that's up for parole and not just see a file. Uh, and I think your idea and, and Richard Miles' idea makes sense uh, that we should uh, have others that are that have been a part of the yeah. system yeah. Uh, to have some influence on whether someone is uh, is you know qualified to be. Because I wouldn't take my car to, to to get fixed 
to a, to a person who does hair. You know what I mean? Why would I have a, a salon, a stylist, diagnose my car and tell me what's wrong with it? So why would I have somebody, you know, anyway. Well, listen, yeah. our time is up, but thank you so much for coming on the show again. Uh, I enjoy having you. I enjoy talking with you. I enjoy interviewing you. And um, you, you, you bring joy to my soul more than any other politician that I know. And I don't know if it's because you're a preacher too. <laughs> it might be, but uh, but thank you so much for coming. I'm looking forward. Tell us again uh, what the name of your podcast is going to be. Uh, Common Sense Politics. Launching when? January 2022. All right, be looking for it, and I can't wait. I can't wait to listen to it. Thank you, Jay Gum. I really appreciate you, and uh, I I always enjoy being with you, whether it's on your podcast or. Just at some event, yeah. uh, you are a light in this world, and I'm grateful to uh, know you, and thank you for having me on Background Check. And listen, any any links to any of these bills that you want to, uh, listeners to know more about, we'll put on the show notes, and I'll just have your office send them to me, and we'll put them up there, all right? Thank you. Their thank you so much. Important. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, what a great interview. I want to thank, thank uh, Representative Sherman's office staff. They're amazing in helping us um, – get this interview off and and just putting thank you all you guys rita irma everyone and i want to thank you guys again for opening up your your representative to background check podcast and i want to thank carl sherman himself for coming on the show i don't really have a whole lot of final thoughts on this man i mean it's just it is it is what it is with politics get involved vote vote if you don't like who's in office, get out there and vote. If you did vote, just keep voting. Don't think your vote doesn't matter. Uh, but also, you know, vote edu- informed. You know, um, I know I'm informed about what Carl Sherman's worldview or, or, or political view and platform is on criminal justice reform. And that's why I like him. That's why I like him. So. All right. Love y'all. Thank y'all for listening. Let's lift him up in prayer uh, because he's got a lot going on, and uh, as do all the politicians. But let's lift him up in, in prayer right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for Representative Sherman. We thank you for his family. We thank you for his church. We thank you for his staff. We just lift all of them up to you right now in Jesus' name, and we pray a hedge of protection around them. We pray wisdom, insight, creativity. And we just lift him up when he's weak because of his schedule. Give him strength when he's tired. Give him energy when he's thirsty. Give him something to drink. But Lord, just give him, his family, his church family and his staff, everything they need to uh, to get through even this upcoming busy season of their life and uh, let him be a light in a dark place. And Lord, we lift up all the listeners. We pray that you meet them at their where they are whatever their need is, meet them where they are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening, you guys. Y'all have a good week. We'll see you next week on Background Check. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check podcast brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, And please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.